Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, good morning, Mr. Krishnamurti. This is Mohan Nanapaneni uh, calling from Team Aid. Mohan Nanapaneni is the founder and president of a U.S.-based nonprofit, Team Aid. It's an organization that helps make all the arrangements when a foreigner living in the U.S. passes away. I think their family decided not to you know, bring him back to India. But I want to check with you and see, you know, what kind of uh, help you needed locally. Uh, hiring a funeral home and arranging funeral service. And I also want to... Team Aid will help plan funerals, either here or in the home country. They ship remains internationally if needed. Back in 2017, Mohan helped Hanu with all the arrangements for Sasi and Anish. He personally flew back with the bodies to India. I coordinated a bunch of volunteers to go immediately to the hospital, the medical examiner's office. And then uh, also I talked to his parents back in India. I talked to Sashkala's husband. But when he arrived in Andhra Pradesh with the bodies, Mohan found himself in the middle of an inter-family drama. Her parents wanted her uh, body and uh, their grandson's body in their village. At the same time, Hanu's parents and Hanu wants uh, her to go to his village and uh, there is a commotion. Hanu and Sasi's families both wanted the bodies. They both wanted to perform the cremation and funeral ceremonies. And Sasi's family openly blamed Hanu for the murders. They were thinking that Hanu Nara killed uh, Sashkala because they don't know what happened. And unfortunately, and the next of kin is Hanu, the spouse, and he has every right to do whatever he wants to do. So we convinced him to at least let the, her parents have a viewing chance. So, on the way to Hanu's family's village, Mohan stopped off in Vijaywara, where Sasi was from. He let her family spend time with the remains. Then he carried Sasi and Anish to their final resting place. There are hundreds of people. Uh, you know, their friends, families, you know, they come from all over and uh, their relatives come even from the distances. And then, uh, you know, a lot of crying and then afterwards, you know, typically they give fresh bath and sometimes they even change the dress or put a fresh cloth over. And then uh, they put them in a stretcher kind of thing and four people carry each side and uh, they go as a procession. In Hinduism, the dead are cremated because it's believed Fire purifies the soul of the deceased and frees them of attachment to the world. Only saints and children are buried because their souls are considered pure already. So Anish was placed in a grave while Sussi was laid atop a funeral pyre. It's an old tradition. The next of kin lights the pyre. So in this case, who would have lit up the funeral pyre? And uh, I guess... uh, Hanu's father might have done it. It's my guess. Thus, the hierarchy would be. Because Hanu did not go to India at the time. I'm sorry, can you say that again? Sasi's husband, Hanu, did not go to India at the time. Hanu did not attend the funerals in India. I'm Tinku Ray. And I'm Ben Adair. 
This is Strangeland, Season 2, Murder in Mapleshade. Episode 6, The Homeland. Mohan runs TeamAid out of an office in Marlborough, Massachusetts, a suburb of Boston. He works out of a space that used to be a travel agency. He spoke with our reporter, Betsy Shepard. You have this map on your wall in the office, and I was wondering if you could just point out where you're from. Oh, gosh. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, India, the Santar country. This is India. This is South India. And right from here, uh, Andhra Pradesh. So every state has their own language. And uh, Telugu-speaking people were in Andhra Pradesh anywhere from here to this area. And it's Andhra Pradesh where I come from. Like Hanu and Sasi, Mohan immigrated to the U.S. from Andhra Pradesh to work in tech. And now Mohan runs his own tech staffing company. But his mission with TeamAid started in his early days in the U.S., when two of his own close friends died. He saw firsthand all the hoops their families in India had to go through to recover the remains and have proper burials. And so Mohan made it his mission to help immigrants in crisis. First, he started an organization called Team Square, an emergency service group within Tana. Remember, that's the Telugu Association of North America. We talked about it in an earlier episode. Mohan actually held several leadership positions within Tana and even served as its president from 2013 to 2015. But he broke away from the group in 2017, shortly after the murders. He wouldn't talk about his reasons, saying only that the organization had become too political for him. And that's when he founded TeamAid. It's a completely volunteer-run organization. And in any given month, Mohan says, TeamAid transports 20 to 25 bodies back to their home countries. The cases, uh, I would say the number of cases are accidents, number one. Number two is heart attacks. A uh, lot of cardiac arrests. Uh, either, the, even in the young generation, you know, we see a lot of cardiac arrests, especially uh, software professionals, you know, anywhere from 30 to 50 years age range. Mohan also sees a lot of suicides and a lot of murders, many that go unsolved, he says. And domestic violence-related incidents make up a large portion of both. He says part of that is because the immigration system can trap women in bad marriages. When these immigrants come from foreign nation, and uh, if the husband is the breadwinner, then the spouse is 100% dependent, and uh, she doesn't have any financial freedom, and uh, she doesn't have any immigration freedom as well because she's dependent uh, on uh, his visa. Spousal visas are often issued to married female immigrants, and those visas are only valid if the woman stays in the marriage. Add to that, children born in the U.S. are citizens, so leaving a life-threatening relationship could also mean leaving the country and her U.S.-born children. So women stay in bad marriages and sometimes die by their own hand or their husbands. There's also strong cultural pressure, because in India, fewer than 1% of marriages end in divorce, 
it's still hugely taboo. Often the men, if especially that, you know, they have bad habits, they abuse, and they can't uh, go back because in India uh, or especially Southeast Asian countries, if uh, the woman comes back with the children and the family thinks it's kind of a disrespect for the family, so they put a lot of pressure to compromise on the woman, and they see no exit. How does this relate to Sasi and Hanu's marriage? Mohan heard mixed accounts. I mean, uh, all her friends, a uh, bunch of them talked to me at the time. They said, you know, they never had any, had any issues between these two. Um, at the same time, a couple of them said, you know, yeah, definitely something he might have done. So it's kind of speculation, but nobody has uh, solid evidence to say, you know, who killed it. For Sasi's family, this did not seem to be a question at all. As we've noted before, the murders were covered extensively on Indian news channels, particularly Telugu TV outlets. And Sasi's family had a lot to say. This is Sasi's mom, Krishna Kumari, recounting previous conversations she had with her daughter. Paraphrasing here, she says, My daughter said Hanu treated her like a servant, but she tried to ignore it. I advised Sasi to focus on taking care of herself and her job and not to worry about it. It should remain a private issue and should not be made public. She patiently waited, expecting that everything would calm down and that he would somehow change. The reporter then asks, did your family members or his family members try to sort out this issue? Krishna replies, I repeatedly telephoned my son-in-law to find out why he was doing this. But he never answered the phone. I questioned my daughter about his silence. She said he insisted I stop calling him and he will call back when he feels like it. But Krishna says she did not hear from Hanu until he called to tell her about Sasi's death. In a separate interview, a reporter asked Sasi's parents point-blank, do you think it was your son-in-law who killed them? Sasi's mom answers, quote, our suspicion is that he did it by hiring someone, if not himself. And then Sasi's dad chimes in, quote, our suspicion is that he had it done by hiring someone. We have got to track down the parents to find out more. So we send a reporter on the ground in India to try to talk to them in person. And that's coming up after the break. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. 
As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Om this is music from the Dasera Festival in Vijaywara, India. It's a celebration of the triumph of good over evil and honors Durga, the protective mother of the universe. You might recognize her as the goddess with ten arms, typically holding weapons. Vijaywara is called the city of victory because legend has it this is where Durga defeated an evil shape-shifting demon. And this is where Sasi came from. Vijaywada is a major city. Its metro population is around 2 million, so bigger than Phoenix, not quite as large as Houston. It's right in the middle of Andhra Pradesh and located along the Krishna River. It's a transportation hub for the area and home to many international IT companies. We want to talk to Sussie's parents to find out more about who she was, how she grew up, how she met Hanu, and what her life became after she left India. So I reach out to some old journalist colleagues of mine in India and eventually end up on the phone with S.V. Sudhir. Sudhir is a reporter based in Vijaywara. He tells me he can help track down the family and translate. He calls Sasi's mom, Krishna Kumari, but when he brings up the murders, she immediately shuts down the conversation. So Sudhir tries again. He shows up at Sasi's family home on the outskirts of Vijaywara, hoping to talk to Krishna in person. He finds her two-story brick and stone house with a large iron gate, painted crimson and gold. The moment I stepped out of my car, uh, because it is a very narrow lane, she could uh, understand that uh, somebody uh, had come to her home only. And she immediately started asking, uh, who are you? Who are, are you visiting? Uh, I mean, are you trying to visiting us? And uh, what's, your, what's the purpose and all? She started uh, asking me. Then I said, I'm so-and-so. I'm a journalist. Uh, what do you say? I want some information about your daughter. Then she said, no, I'm not interested in talking about it. CBA, uh... Could be she's still grieving for Sassi and for Sassi's dad. He'd been an aggressive advocate for Sassi and Anish, but sadly, he passed away in 2020. Back in 2017, the Indian news media was combing through every detail of the Nara story, and Sassi's family wasn't holding back. Their accounts, taken together, paint a picture of a marriage in crisis. Marriages in India are very different than in the US. It can be tough for people in the West to understand. Arranged marriages are still the norm in India. But even marriages based on love are often transactional. They involve a lot of decision-making and input by the respective families. Once the marriage decision is made, either by the parents or the couple, it kicks off an intense process of vetting and negotiating between the families. The families meet, 
Horoscopes of the bride and groom are read to ensure compatibility. And then the families begin bargaining over the terms of the dowry. The dowry system in India dates back maybe a thousand years when women who were kind of unable to inherit property were provided with a dowry that would be registered under their name. This is reporter Amy Sood, who's covered India's dowry system for CNN International. A dowry is essentially money and goods the bride's family pays to the husband, ostensibly to help the couple set up their new home. The modern practice of dowry is less about the bride's financial security and more a showcase of class status. The dowry has kind of evolved into something more of transferring money and gold and cars, real estate um, and other assets to the groom's family as a condition or a requirement of the marriage. And in some cases, dowry demands become ongoing. Husbands and their families try to get more from the bride and her family for years, even decades. If the dowry that isn't up to par with what was agreed upon or negotiated or expected, it would oftentimes cause conflict between the two families. Um, You know, it'd be the subject of um, the violence that um, a woman would face in her marriage, or sometimes it would kind of lead to further demands for a larger dowry, even after a marriage. The average dowry an upper-middle-class family might pay is around 13,000 U.S. dollars. Sussi's family told reporters that they paid a dowry of one crore rupees, around $120,000 today. That's a lot of money, presumably because Hanu had job prospects that would take him and Sussi to the U.S. But Hanu's financial demands didn't end there, says her family. More on that after the break. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. In news interviews, Sussi's parents said Hanu demanded that Sussi turn over her entire salary to him and that he controlled all the finances. We have no way of fact-checking any of these claims. This is all what Sussi's family said to reporters. But Amy Sud told us this happens, and these types of ongoing dowry demands, when unmet, can often result in harassment and violence. They can take many forms um, of domestic violence, um, whether it's this verbal harassment um, or physical violence. 
there's also these psychological kind of forms of abuse um, that can also put pressure on an individual. There have also been cases of murder and immolation in relation to dowries. And in some cases, you know, women can be driven to suicide because they're facing so much pressure and because they're facing kind of harassment in their own homes or, you know, their families are being harassed over it. And in India, this has led to a phenomenon known as dowry death. When husbands, after failing to squeeze more money from their wives or their families, abuse and murder their wives. In 2021, there was a high-profile dowry death of a young professional woman in India named Vismaya Nair. A week after the alleged dowry death of the 24-year-old Vismaya Nair in Kerala, the police have finally received the autopsy report. They are looking at the medical evidence to determine whether she died of murder or by suicide. Amy Sud actually spoke with Vismaya's family about her death. Her brother told me as there was more anger growing um, and more pressure on the family for the dowry and how they were not kind of pleased with the car that they had received. Um, Vismaya's husband and his family restricted her use of social media and prevented her from calling family members or calling back home. Vismaya's husband was sentenced to 10 years in prison. But that kind of sentence is rare. Officials are starting to crack down on these crimes with the help of special police units dedicated to protecting women. But still, fewer than a third of all dowry deaths are ever charged as a crime. In 2019, according to the National Crime Records Bureau of India, there were 7,000 reported cases of dowry death. To put that in perspective, about 19 women in India are killed every day over dowry-related arguments. And analysts say that figure's low, because many dowry deaths go unreported. Now, we're not saying Sussie's murder was a dowry death. But this cultural phenomenon illustrates India's stark gender inequality and endemic domestic abuse. The social isolation that Amy describes also sounds a lot like what others say Sussie endured the way in which she was cut off from the world. It's hard to confirm these accounts without any input from Sussie's family. But then we find it. Sussie's story in her own words. We're combing through Indian news coverage of the murders, painstakingly translating Telugu into English, and we find online a document her brother shared with reporters. It's a letter that Sussie wrote to him about her marriage and life in America. It describes the financial pressures Hanu and his family put on her. And the letter contains an explosive secret, a secret that may explain why Sussie's family became so convinced of Hanu's guilt. Daily I'm talking with mummy without showing my pain, but every day I'm crying like anything because of the incident above. That's next time on Strangeland. The next two episodes of Strangeland drop on February 16th. Strangeland is an audio Chuck original produced by Western Sound. You can learn more about our investigation, including how you can get involved at our website, 
strangelandpodcast.com. And if you love what you hear, please don't forget to tell your friends about this important story. And type us a review on your favorite podcast app to help the story continue reaching more and more people like you. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.